Harry Potter. Hi, and welcome to the Three Broom Chicks. I'm Jenny. I'm Marianne. And I'm Elizabeth. And today we're going to be talking about the Silver Trio. Wow. But like one particular person in the Silver Trio. Yes, like a series. Oh, that's right. I'm such a dummy. We broke it up. Duh. Yeah, we did. The first in the Silver Trio series is Neville Longbottom. Yes, he is. But we broke it up. Why? Because I wrote seven pages about this adorable, adorable (laughs) man. Adorable character. Hot actor. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Okay. Before we get carried away. (laughs) (laughs) Hit me with some sounds, Marianne. Hydrangea! Hey! Oh my god, I love Hey! Does Hydrangea fly around the room like looking for me now? <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Yeah, she definitely does. Be like, Jenny, oh my god, where's that she girl that's a- in that corner? She takes a little longer to Aww. perch. <laughs> anyways. Well, anyways, even though Hydrangea is experiencing separation anxiety, she did bring her outpost today. She did. <laughs> She's quite diligent in her job. Yeah, she emailed me a copy. <laughs> so our first outpost is from ariana and yes yes honey which by the way is such a queen okay bye <laughs> and her question is which member of the silver trio would you like to be best friends with and why i'm prepared to answer this question i would be best friends with jenny because it would get me closer to ron the end Wow. Okay. Uh, Marianne? Uh, I'd pro- oh my god. I'd probably be... I can't with you, Jenny. Listen. It was I have really- goals and I know how to reach them. Leave me alone. Uh, hashtag respect. Anyways, so I think I'd be close to Luna just because I feel like yes. we have really like similar personalities. Not similar personalities, like we could just be compatible personalities. Oh, yeah. yeah. I see yeah. that. Well, I think I would definitely be closest to Ginny because we have similar personalities. But I think like if I had to pick like a number two, it would actually be Neville. I love Neville. Yeah. I, I always love Neville, but like after researching and writing and stuff like that for this episode, I love him so much more. Yeah. I just like um, what a dude. What a dude. This is why he was almost a chosen one, but yeah. we're gonna get into that. Yeah, put a pin in it. The pin, pin. is the whole episode. The whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Our second question. Yes, our second question is from Andrin, and he asked, How did you pronounce Hermione's name when you first read it? I honestly thought it was just like Hermione. 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 Like, Hermione. Like, Hermione. Like, Hermione. Like, not even joking. I was like, Hermione. You sound like Victor Crumb. Hermione. Hermione. I always said Hermione. What made you say Hermione? Like, what about it? I don't know. I'm starting to, like, think back. And I might have already seen the movie by the time that I decided to read that first book. Oh, Maybe. But I can't really remember because it was such a long time. I can't even remember like what I did last week. So good luck <laughs> trying to figure out what eleven year old me did. Um, I think I read Hermine. I think that was the most my eight year old self could come up with. That's actually like the best one out of all three. I of think us. so. Like that is <laughs> like you were advanced. <laughs> me over here, like Hermione. You're an advanced reader. <laughs> Well, I didn't learn how to read until like way late. Like my parents had to get me hooked on phonics. So, oh no, God knows what I, but was I love thinking. phonics. No, like me and books have been attached to the hip since I was like three. Okay, well, some of us couldn't read Elizabeth. <laughs> some of us were a little. It was hard. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying <laughs> I, I I acknowledge that I was advanced for my age, and that the general population. Does it read that early? Yes. So Elizabeth is Elizabeth. better than us. No. Anyway. Yeah, clearly. I'm just the general population now. <laughs> Whatever. No. I'm not advanced. No. It's fine. We can. You know, Marianne didn't speak until she yeah. was four. And I'm a human too. 
Okay. 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 I'm gonna hide so, the rest of the episode. Bye, everyone. <laughs> we're gonna. <laughs> so now okay. we're we're done with Alpo. So I wanted to introduce you guys to my new segment that I'm adding. It's called Patreon. Become a patron. <laughs> That's it. Have a nice day, everybody. Just two dollars a month. <laughs> I'm gonna start playing the song from like the sad like Adopt Me like puppy commercials. I'm gonna be like. <laughs> For just two dollars a month, that's less than the price of a coffee every day. You could join the broom chicks on Patreon. I love it. Thank you. Getting into Neville. Let's Alonso. dive in, boys and girls. We're diving in. Okay, so I started off this episode with some background info because, I mean, your girl was not about to go through seven books and pick out every Neville thing that we were going to talk about. Yeah. So. Let's get into the background and then we'll yes. hear highlights. So, guess what? He's a Gryffindor. What? <laughs> yes. No idea. <laughs> He's our homie. He's, Gryffindor. He's our what? He's our homie. Oh my god, whatever. You two with the Gryffindor, I can't. Unite. Oh, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. What? On your first impression and your last impression of Neville, mm-hmm. do you think he belongs in Gryffindor? My first impression was he's a total Hufflepuff. My last impression was he's a total Gryffindor. I mean, I guess, yeah, that was that's a good way to summarize it, too. I, I said-, said that with a lot of authority. So <laughs> you, did. You, you were very I'm sure. just going to say it. it's right. It's right. <laughs> just like the only difference from my response would be just like, I didn't think that hard into it. Like, I was just like, are you really in Gryffindor? As my first impression. Me either. Yeah. I didn't go as far to be like, you should be in Hufflepuff instead. Me either. Me either. But I'm saying like now looking back, like knowing that information, had I been in that frame of mind, like that's what I would have done. But yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Do you think. Oh, okay. Hit me. Hit me with your next shot. So do you think, even though at the end, you know, he's had several great brave moments. We're going to talk about those. Mm -hmm. But like, do you still think he's a Gryffindor? Absolutely. Yeah, you shut your mouth, of course. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because if there's Peter Pettigrew can be Gryffindor. <laughs> okay, Peter Pettigrew should have never been Gryffindor. Okay, we're not talking about Peter Pettigrew right now, number one. Number two, Elizabeth's tone is concerning me, but we shall continue with the episode where I prove that he was the bestest Gryffindor of all. My tone, I am just being like devil's advocate for the section online that doesn't believe that Neville should be in Gryffindor. Everyone There's a section online up. that believes. Who are like these the people? The Did they not black. read the books? Did they not know the information? I don't I don't want this here. I don't need this negativity in my life. No, I, I don't agree okay. with them. Anyways, just, if you're a listener that listens to us and do, do not agree with us, like, I don't know. Hit us up. Tell us. I want to know these things. <laughs> I want to see a good debate why you don't think that Neville Longbottom should be in Gryffindor. I want a good debate. Yeah, I really, I really, I really do. Okay, moving on into his one. Um, his first one. I hate when wizards do this, but whatever. His first one was inherited from his father, yeah. which is all nice and well. Because, like you know, emotions are yeah. like you know, hand me down. But it's also like you know, like you know, very emotional, nice, but. I just never understood, like, why wizards did that, since we know that the wand chooses the freaking wizard. I mean, I understand from, like, a financial standpoint, but this is, like, more of, like, a sad that's literally, though. Because, like, his dad literally... Yeah, that's literally my next note. Like, <laughs> I said, Avi not accounting for money issues like yeah. Ron. Like, I get it. Like, if you can afford it, like, that's a great option. You have one. You can use it. It's functional. Whatever. Cool. But if you have the means, like... I, Why I just think it was that? more like a, you know how like Neville's family always like wished for greater for him. And at that moment, like his dad, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately wasn't in a mental state to use his wand. Like they don't have free wand yeah. usage when they're in St. Mungo's. So who better to use his father's wand and hopefully carry the long bottom legacy than his son? And how do we not? How do we not know that the wand knew that one day he would be passed down to Neville, and therefore he chose not only, you know, the dad, but also Neville. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack there. I don't know. 
basically, is my answer. But I would assume that if the wand is bonded to another wizard, that it wouldn't choose, you know, that second wizard, right? Because his father was not dead or anything like that. Like, the connection was not severed in that way. Well, there's someone that he would still be bonded to his father. There's but, some ones that do do that, that that change allegiance. So why they do? But don't they have to be one? Yeah, but okay. I think there's like a fan theory out there that the reason why Neville was so bad at magic in the beginning mm-hmm. is because yeah, his wand wasn't truly yeah. aligned to him, and it wasn't yes. until he got his own wand that he was able to control his magic in a better way. That's true. Yeah. The same thing that has been cool. said about Ron as well. Like once he yeah. gets his new one after the second book, mm-hmm. he starts to improve. But that I mean, leads me goes- perfectly into what we did have. Oh. Well, oh. the second time. So yeah. his second one was Cherrywood with Unicorn Hair Core. And Wizarding World does not have a length listed for it, nor does it have like a flexibility range. Um, so I took a quote from the website, which I'm so happy, by the way, that I could look stuff up on Wizarding World instead of like Pottermore, but I'm just happy that we have the information. Thank so, God. Thank goodness. Um, They're getting talking the about the wood, like the, just the wood or whatever from the notes that we have from Ollivander. It says, this very rare wand wood creates a wand of strange power, most highly prized by the Wizarding students of, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this. The school of Mount, I don't know, the, the wizarding school in Japan. It's the Jap, yeah. The yes. <laughs> I don't know how to say it and I don't want to butcher it. Um, where those who own cherry wands have special prestige, the Western wand purchasers should dispel from their minds any notion that the pink blossom of the living tree makes for a frivolous or merely ornamental wand. For cherry wood often makes a wand that possesses truly lethal power, Whoa. whatever the core whatever the core but if teams with dragon heartstring the wand ought never to be teamed with a wizard without exceptional self-control and strength of mind whoa mm. i know which makes neville sound like a bad butt so uh, <laughs> it's hard the family, to like, <laughs> i know after the ban was lifted i'm just like meh so then I got some information about unicorn hair as a core. And Ollivander says unicorn hair generally produces the most consistent magic and is least subject to fluctuations and blockages. Wands with unicorn cores are generally the most difficult to turn to the dark arts. They are the most faithful of all wands and usually remain strongly attached to their first owner, irrespective of whether he or she was an accomplished witch or wizard. But yeah, which I feel like. I mean, I highlighted in the document, which you could see if you were a patron, that wands with unicorn cores are generally the most difficult to turn to the dark arts, which I think is super fitting for Neville, especially because of what we're going to talk about later. But yeah. Okay, so there's like this really cool fact that Jenny found. And basically, there are 797 total mentions of Neville throughout the series, which is like way more then, like, I remember Neville being mentioned. Right? Like, I, I said like the seven, same thing. 700 is, like, main character level. That's, like, averaging over 100 <laughs> times a book. Right now, my face is, like, that meme where it's, like, all the math equations are going around my oh head. Oh, my God. Yes. Your face looks yes! exactly like that. I'm just, well, I don't like. I that, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm trying to compute and I'm just like it's just a lot going on. That's, that's, what? Wow. Anyways, apparently we love Neville. So, I think it would be too much to go book by book and pick out each scene and dissect each scene or whatever for what we're doing right now. So, I pretty much just made like a list of highlight points that I wanted to talk about throughout his 7 years and that's what we're going to do. So I kind of thought it would be cool to start with our first impressions of Neville to kind of see where we were all at. But I know that the first time we see Neville or we hear about him, he's lost the infamous Trevor. His toad. And when do we hear about him? Oh, my God. I can't. You're not doing the scene again. Anybody? (laughs) 
I listen. won't do the scene. If they anybody listen to wants our first to hear it, episode, go back to oh the my teaser God. and bless your episode. ears. Wow, throwing it back. Throwing I it just back wanted to, to throw episode. in um, a little tidbit here, just as a side note. If you're just tuning in or you're just joining us and you don't know, I'm a zookeeper. And what? I once took care of a frog exhibit, and all six frogs were named Trevor. And what? yes, I know that Trevor was not a frog, but I didn't have any toads, so I did the best I could with what I had. <laughs> Honestly, if I was a zookeeper, I would do the exact same thing and name all of them Harry Potter characters. I had a couple Harry Potter exhibits. It was a fun time for me. So anyways, <laughs> back to the story. Um... I thought it was just like cute that Trevor is like an escape artist. <laughs> and that's like his running thing throughout the books. But it was also I've hella never annoying. seen it that way. That was wild. No, I just thought it was gross. Like, why do you want a toad for a pet? Like, at least. Okay, first of all, toads are super cute. Toads are not cute. Toads are cute. They're ugly cute. All animals are cute. Stop it. Oh, You're hurting really? me. Are you telling me that like. Yes, a blobfish. A blobfish. Oh no, the, blobfish, the... little boobs. <laughs> no, the <laughs> bug that was in your room. You're telling me that bug was cute. Well, not everything is cute, but everything is beautiful. Like that, that bug had long legs. It's like a model oh, yeah. bug. I'm not going to take away the fact <laughs> that, like you know, toads are high fashion bug. You know, essential. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yes, they fulfill an ecological niche, and they are in a okay, yeah. environment, and they are cute. Okay, but I don't, I don't think that they should be a pet. Like at least, like frogs are like different. Like I had a frog classroom pet. Oh my it god, like, it's the same thing, Elizabeth. They're amphibians. No, because it was it was a little cute little rainforest tree frog. It was like the tiniest. Little okay, thing well, in first the world. of all, that's irresponsible. Why do you frog? have an invasive species in your classroom? But whatever, we're not even going to touch that. Next, we're going to get to the fact that everybody was like Elizabeth and they didn't think that toads were cool. So it made Neville not no, cool. I'm sorry. And I think that's not cool. All in itself. I don't blame Neville. I blame his family for not looking out for I him. I blame society as a whole. Okay. But listen, as a child, <laughs> while I was reading all about the Trevor escape habits, even as a child, I should have known then what was going to happen. But I was like, dude, keep track of your pit. Like, it's not hard. If he keeps jumping out of your hands, maybe don't hold him in your hands. Get him a carrying case, but whatever. I just yeah, like why didn't I've we have say, that? I literally maybe, wrote as a zookeeper. Maybe, I, go ahead, Marianne. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say like maybe you know he was just really shy and scared, and like he they were like passed down this like toad or frog or or whatever, and they and like. He, he never had issues with it and then all of a sudden you know he has this toad and it's in, more in public and now all of a sudden he like looks away for a second and then he's just like Marion, i'm not then, dealing with this explanation we're moving on but like no but you know it's not no, his no. Fault, baby. no. no. you get a carrying no. case no anyways Mm-mm. but not the like... other animals don't need carrying cases yeah they all okay, do because they don't escape no, but all the animals, all the owls have their carrying owls have their own like little cages. They do. All the all That's the true. cats but, have carrying but cases. For the, but for the Hogwarts train, a Hogwarts train, do they did they ride like the owls? Did they ride on the train or did they yeah. fly? Yeah, yeah, no, they rode on the train. Hello. Why do I not remember this? Do you not Hello, remember Harry's with his trolley pushing it? Yeah, oh but I... God, why are yes. we having this conversation right now? It was know. a responsible move as a pet owner. We are condemning it. I will not have it any other way. We are moving on. If you have a pet, keep it on a leash. Keep it in a case. Next topic Uh, i felt like when we first like meet neville the first impression that you get he's really really extremely timid and he's quite scared of everything so i took it upon myself to find a list published by the wizarding world um as i guess to the most popular words used to describe neville in the books and i shall read them for you they are nervous which was like the number one most used word Round-faced, frightened, confused, miserable, forgetful, terrified, (laughs) quiet, pale, 
happy, horrified. <laughs> and that list made me so sad. He's everywhere. Okay, I just don't like that miserable is yeah. on the list. Like, I don't like that miserable is on the list either. The fact that like he was miserable enough that it had to be mentioned enough times, like that just makes me depressed that like an 11 year old was miserable miserable like yeah it just reminds me like that early time when he was miserable like was in like america like our middle school years Mm -hmm. and like middle school is rough man and like kids are really cruel kids are the worst and and i just feel so bad because like neville turned out to be like this most outstanding person and like i even know like friends of mine who were like ridiculed in middle school and ended up to be amazing people and it's just it just makes me really Preach. sad, okay? I really want to stand up for Neville all the time. And that's uh, why I want to take care of him. It's not his fault that you didn't know he needed a cage first. Oh, my oh, God. Okay. I'm really about to end this friendship of however many years. So we do also <laughs> see some brave <laughs> moments, though, even sprinkled throughout the first book. So yes. I picked out a couple that I liked, like the time that he stands up to Malfoy, and he says, I'm worth 12 of you. And I'm just like, oh yes, queen. Get it. Oh, my gosh. Snaps. Snaps, snaps, snaps. Uh, but also, there's that time, obviously iconic, that he waits for Harry, Ron, and Hermione in his teddy bear pajamas, according to the movie. But he's, like, in the so common true. room, and he stops them from trying to break more rules and lose more house points. So, I mean, that's brave to, like, stand up to your friends, like... I could see that. That's a hard thing to do. Overall, I just feel like Neville's first impression just kind of leaves you thinking this kid is sad and confused, basically. But, yeah. So, yeah. our next highlight, I oh want to take with a grain of salt because I knew that there was going to be oh, a lot of no. emotions involved. I wanted because oh, I feel no. like we have to talk about it in accordance to the Neville bylaws, but we are going to very quickly glaze over it because we must save a lot of these opinions. We need to talk about the issue with Snape. Oh my god. Okay. Alright. So, I... I mean, I have to talk about it now, and I have to talk about it during our Snape episode. Mm, no, but you'll like, talk about it during is... our Snape episode, but we're going to skate over it in our Neville episode. Okay, this is my skim. Like, Snape is just a freaking bully to he this is... child. Yeah. He is mistreating a child. Like, how is this okay that a professor can talk to and speak this way to a child and not lose his job. Like, I don't care if you have a stick up your butt. I don't care if you've had a crappy ass childhood. Like, I don't care. This is a poor kid and look so much how you affected him that you are his number one fear. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's all good. Just get it out. Just get it out. I'm feeling so attacked right now. You covered actually like a lot of my first little paragraph there, so thank you. But I will say that what I also took away from this section is that Snape threatens Trevor in the third book. I think it's the third book. Don't quote me. Hashtag allegedly. But he threatens Trevor, an innocent animal, which is, I mean, it's like, I just could not deal with it. It's animal cruelty and I'm not here for it. And I would have had him arrested. But next point. Oh, really quick. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. Maybe this is just me. But like the whole time, anytime Trevor was mentioned, especially after we found out um, Scabbers was like actually a person, I was like, oh, my God, can you imagine like Trevor's actually this like bomb, amazing person who's like sneaking away, trying to like save Neville. And like, I would just kept on waiting for him to like turn. Maybe. Into but really, he's just a toe. Just a toad. Maybe Trevor is like uh, his best friend, and he's like, "Oh, I love you, Trevor. Trevor, you're such a good friend." And everyone's like, "You're crazy because your best friend's a toad." I'm not here for Marianne today. Okay, Marianne, I'm just sad. I'm just not here. For it. I have a lot of feelings, Neville. Just like I, he's a precious little bean that must be protected at all costs. So <laughs> must must protect. I wrote a really long paragraph in like all caps and there was a lot of cursing about the whole like prisoner of Azkaban Snape is my greatest fear thing but I'm just going to skip it because I literally can't even handle that right now like mentally emotionally spiritually I can't 
We've I covered it. We, we know that it's a thing, but it's just like I can't. Okay. But I will say um, that I wrote in the doc after all of my ranting, I put, I'm mad, like mad, mad. F that dude. Okay, bye. But I do want to okay. discuss this because it Hold never on. occurred to me. I think we do need to discuss it a little bit because like what you wrote was super valid over the fact because I know I just like yelled a lot of this of like why I'm mad at Snape and why in the hell like is Snape like Neville's biggest fear I mean you literally wrote in our doc like his parents were tortured yeah to insanity yeah and those people aren't who he's afraid of like because Snape is the worst (sighs) at Marianne but it's fine. I'm staying silent. Don't at come all at me. those Snape lovers. <laughs> I'm not a Snape lover. I'm a Snape sympathizer. I'm a Snape sympathizer. Sympathize my butt. Sympathizing okay? is just as bad as condoning the behavior. I was joking, but it's fine. I'm just gonna save my thoughts and. and... Okay. Anyways, pitted well, it. What were you going to say, Jennifer? I was going to say that I put some research into this because if you think about it, I I put that even though it's crappy and all around like a bad thing to do, I understand that he would pick on Harry because he looks like James. He hated James, the whole Lily thing, whatever. And then Ron and Hermione by proxy are his friends. Like, okay, cool, whatever. But why Neville? Like Neville really isn't one of them. Like he's not BFFs. So I was like, what the heck? Well, the internet gave me some good theories, but and the one that I like the most oh, yes. comes from a Quora user named Sahil Juneja, I think. I don't know. I probably butchered that. You're welcome. So they pointed out Juneja. that um, because Snape... Okay, let's start from the beginning. Snape probably hates Neville because if Lady V had chosen Neville as the kid that was going to fulfill the prophecy, then Lily would still be alive. So, oh, I've heard of this one before. Yeah, yes. which it it makes a lot of sense, which is why I like it. But basically, what's happening is they're saying like, if Lily would have been alive, obviously Snape would have been happier. And so, seeing Neville triggers all of that guilt inside of him, and so therefore he lashes out. And I put oh, like a child, but it up it also happens to coincide like Neville's arrival with Harry's arrival. Like all of it is happening at once. So if I do put myself into Snape's shoes, let me make it very clear. I'm not condoning anything, but I can't understand like Harry just got there. He's upset. It's like James and Lily all over again. And on top of that, he's also seeing Neville, which could have been the kid. And have they gone after Neville's parents? Like Lily would still be alive. And literally Snape is the worst, but I think he's just like lashing out because he feels guilt and he's probably in a lot of like emotional pain, which is not a good reason to lash out. But I think that's probably where it's coming from. No, I don't like it. I love it's it. Just, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I mean, it makes a lot of sense, but it just solidifies to me how much of how much mental health counseling Snape needed. But yeah, anyways. so many, so many things. But yeah, so um, I chose the next highlight to be the prophecy because I obviously ah, I feel like that's super oh important. Goodness. And I literally okay. wrote at Liz this for you. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Do it, so, girl. Again, I wrote it down for you. New listeners who haven't like listened to our The Chosen One episode or even our Lady V episodes, I will review the actual prophecy with you. The one with the power to vanquish the dark Lord approaches born to those who have thrice defied him born as the seventh month dies and the dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have power. The dark Lord knows not and either must die at the hand of the other for neither can live while the other survives. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord will be born as the seventh month dies. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Thank you. So, shout out to our soundboard. Let's review our little list here. His little check boxes, I'll call them. Born on July 30th, 1980. Check. Check. Had parents in the Order of the Phoenix who thrice defied Lady V. Check. 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 Wait. Do you guys know what those thrice define? No, I couldn't find anything anywhere, but I just know that it was three times. Yeah. Not remember. Oh, my God. I feel... Was it listed in the book? 
No. Um, not for not for his parents. Not, not Neville's. Man, not for Harry's. I really want to know. Yeah, uh, no. I think in Harry's it, it might have been in some like articles. Like I think it's one of those uh, those things that she revealed in one oh. of the many like Q and A's and gotcha, and gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Like it's out there, but it's, it's not, not in like the canon in the book. books. Yeah. Yes, man, we really need to do some more research. Whatever, we it's just have a podcast. Hard to find it's stuff, fine. you know. <laughs> so, um, I just well, wanted to write down fun. because they have so many things in common, like in regards to the prophecy. I also wanted to write about some of the things that he just has in common with Harry, like period. Um, so I wrote yeah. that both of them had parents in the Order of the Phoenix, which is obvious. I don't know why I repeated myself there. Uh, both were brought up by family that were not their parents. The sorting hat took some time to decide which houses they should belong in, uh, but they were obviously in the end both sorted into Gryffindor. Uh, both pulled Gryffindor's sword from the sorting hat at some point in the story, and both of them destroy at least one Horcrux. So it's just, I think it's weird, like how similar Harry and Neville really are in other aspects as it well. It is really weird. But, mm-hmm. um, but it's like they have so much in common and it's we see so much less of Neville, even though obviously we've established he is mentioned a lot, but we see so much less of him. He seems like such a secondary character, but he has so much in common with, you know, the titular character. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it's not even given focus to him either. Like it we we obviously know the prophecy and everything like that, but it, especially early on, there's not much. It, he's very much introduced as a second char- secondary character, and it's just like kind of like almost like oh, there's like Neville kind of also fits into this prophecy, mm-hmm. and he almost like yeah. could have been chosen. Like yeah. it's all kind of like like possibly but not it's never even like a plot point in yeah. this story it's just i agree a possibility like it's knowledge yeah. i know when uh we were doing our live earlier this week when we first <laughs> attempted to record this episode yes what a time <laughs> because you know 2020 is not our technical year um but when i was saying how like i would have loved to see because I feel like Neville is similar in Harry in so many ways. But again, you know, the books obviously mm-hmm. focus on Harry Potter. He's yeah. our protagonist. Yeah. But in seventh year, Neville, like, was the leader of Dumbledore's army. We're getting there. Was the leader of of all that. So I would have just loved to see, like, yeah. that point of view. Yeah, 100%. So if, like, someone wants to write, like, oh, that fan yes. fiction or if Joe wants to release like that extra novel that's like Neville and Dumbledore's army or something like that, I think that would be. She could so just cool. do like Twilight. <laughs> what was it like Fifth Son or whatever, where she released the book from like his perspective? Yes, we could find like she did. Yeah, you can find the she PDF online. Like, like it wasn't that, even yeah. a book. Like you just literally went online and you could oh, read the PDF. It was like the first couple I chapters. That. Yeah. I do remember You're that. Welcome, it was Joe. Cringy. You're welcome, Harry Potter community. I read trash for you. <laughs> you know what would be funny? Like, as soon as you said Neville and Dumbledore's army, I just, for some reason, like, pictured a graphic novel. Like, oh, a comic book something. That would be so cool. That would oh my be God, that so would be cool. really cool. All right, so let's jump into it. So Neville and Dumbledore's army was my next highlight point, and it is by far the longest. I had a lot to say, so we're going to just get into it. Uh, Dumbledore's army was obviously formed in Neville's fifth year during Order of the Phoenix. For the first time in the films, we see Neville excelling in a class and actually make some sort of tangible progress throughout it. There's two things that I want to discuss in relation to his scenes in the DA chapters. And the first is that he probably started doing so well because there was no bullying in Harry's classroom. A cough, cough, sneeze. And second, at Marianne, I did write at Marianne. And then second, um, I think this was a pivotal moment for his character in terms of fostering some sort of confidence in his yes. magical abilities. So I think, and I promise, I'm pretty sure that this was after he had his own wand. This was after he has his own wand because I believe that that it comes to him third year, but I could be very wrong because that's Ronald. But whatever. 
Um, hashtag allegedly. Hashtag allegedly. I've never read the books before. But I think that we start to see a turning point with Neville towards the last book, which we will get to. But what I wanted to say is, do y'all think that Neville could have destroyed Nagini without the confidence that came about during the DA sessions? Oh, because that's a good question for me. Like that's where the confidence came from is like, that's when he started to do well. That's when he started to excel. And that's what triggered that confidence inside of him and gave him that boost. So could he have ended up being like that without those sessions? I mean, did, did the confidence come then? Because didn't he ask out Ginny? I could be getting this wrong. And I'm just like, he did it for Goblet of Fire, which would have been the book before, but I didn't see it more as like, go on a date with me. I think he like legitimately, like it was just like a friendship sort of thing to me. But it still takes a lot of guts. Like Ron barely did that. You know, I mean, but I'm not, I'm not talking about confidence in like the, like, I look good in this shirt today. I'm talking more about confidence in your ability. Like I, but you know, still, there's there's steps that you know we're taking. You have to take in your confidence. Mm-hmm. Confidence is confidence. You know. So I don't know. I actually kind of disagree with both of you. I feel like his ability to kill Nagini and have that bravery that he had in the final battle was shown. In that scene, in that chapter in Sorcerer's Stone, when he stands up against and slash for his friends. I disagree. Yeah, with I can because see that. Nagini, like, because fighting Nagini had nothing to do with his magical ability at that moment. In that moment, he decided it to. It was the right thing to do. That it was the right thing to do. And even though he was most likely 99.9% sure going to come out dead at the end of it. He's like, you know what? Harry was my friend. These are my friends. These are my family that I have formed. And so I need to stick up for them. And I feel like he had that since he was 11. Would he have been able to do it as a as an 11-year-old? I don't think so because most 11-year-olds wouldn't be able to do that. But I think it was a natural progression for Neville. I don't think that just because he got a little bit better at magic, he was able to do that because in that moment, you guys there are was missing no magic. Point. Like, I think. What's your point? I don't think I'm explaining myself correctly. It's not so much about the physical ability that he had to do because at the end of the day, he really didn't do magic at all. He just took the sword and cut her. So I'm talking about the fact that he finally instilled some sort of belief in himself because he was excelling in class, because he was doing things. So it's like, it's one thing when you're like, yeah, like I could totally do that, whatever. But it's another thing when you're in class and you're doing it and you're getting it and you're good at it. And then, you know, like for me, like in my job, it took me a while to be like, I'm really good at my job. I thought I was really good. I was doing things, but like, it took me a while to be like, actually, I'm really good at my job and have the confidence to know that. I get what you're saying. I just, at least for me, especially my thoughts like after what Liz said, Mm -hmm. I just don't think that that uh, I guess belief in his skill was necessary for him to stand up to Nagini. I'm not talking about whatever, you know, or no, no, no. But like you get that that confidence that that he got from his skill Mm -hmm. or like, or that confidence that he got in himself. I think is a completely different realm. He didn't need that. What came out was his, like his, his, uh, uh, his values, his integrity. He's like, I have to do the right thing. The right thing is this. I don't care if I'm uncomfortable. I'm doing this. He's always had that since okay. book one. I see you. I think I still disagree with you, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. You know, I feel like this is always Jenny. Like, we'll argue with her and be like, I still disagree with you, but it's okay. It's fine. I mean, it is. You guys can see how you want, and I'm going to see how I want, and it's fine. <laughs> I think we're both on the right track. I think we're somewhere together. So I want to also address this quote. We are all in the DA together, said Neville quietly. It was all supposed to be about fighting you-know-who, wasn't it? And this is the first chance we've had to do something real. Or was it all just a game or something? No, of course it wasn't, said Harry impatiently. Then we should come too, said Neville simply. We want to help. So this quote is from the Order of the Phoenix when they're about to go and do battle at the Department of 
Mysteries? Yeah, the Department of Mysteries. Yep. And I feel like it's both a good way to showcase his dedication to the DA, but also to showcase his loyalty and how far he's come since his first year, like, in the bravery department. Like, to me, yes, it was brave that he stood up to his friends and that was, like, a big deal. But this is him saying, like, I feel like it's almost the opposite. I feel like if this was first year Neville, he'd be like, oh, like you guys shouldn't go. Like we're breaking rules. Like we shouldn't do this. And now he's like, actually, I'm going to go break these rules with you. Like, I feel like we see sort of a shift in his character a little bit. But yeah, I definitely see like more of a willingness to join in mm-hmm. on. But yeah, on all this stuff that's like considered like very dangerous. Like, I don't think that Neville would have done this prior to fifth year i feel like again he would have been very happy sitting yes. on the sidelines yes and just like being like an a bystander and an onlooker mm-hmm. um but like putting himself out there and putting himself intentionally in danger is i think a very big turning point for him and for the rest of our silver trio i think this is definitely the moment where they became our silver trio 100 percent yes absolutely yeah which is why like i feel like order of the phoenix has like a kind of like a special place in my heart i kind of didn't notice that until like preparing for this episode Mm -hmm. because like it gave me more time with three of my like favorite characters yeah that used to be one of my favorite books but i don't know as i get older like obviously favorite books have changed and right now i'm just very much into three and six but that used to be my favorite one Mm -hmm. agreed Three is the best forever ever. So if if we're gonna talk about Neville in in the DA, then we definitely have to discuss what happens post Umbridge because to me that is the most important part of his time there. So to set the scene, Umbridge has now left the school, so it's no Be longer bitched. necessary to have DA meetings as they're again sorry. using practical I had to, skills. I had to get that out there. I'm really sorry. Yes, I know, Elizabeth. So. Neville and Luna are the most disappointed about it, um, like disbanding. So Neville says, I like the DA. I learned loads with you. And um, when Hermione later uses her enchanted galleons to call on the DA for help, Ginny and Neville were quickest to respond. And Luna as well. Um, And then I put, (laughs) you guys are going to laugh at me, but super side note, the Ravenclaw and me is like so upset. (laughs) <laughs> I dropped my mic. That's how mad I am. The Ravenclaw and me is so upset that they stopped meeting like for the DA stuff because it's literally the perfect study group. Like you had the best kids all together. Like everybody can learn. Everybody was having a good time. Like you could have been learning more things and you literally just put a stop to like the best study group wow, on ground. Like, why would you do that? Very Ravenclaw of you. It made me mad. It literally... But it doesn't make you so mad. Like, everybody was, I mean, like, doing so well. They were excelling. Joe Chan did think, magic like, for the first time. Harry could have just gone to become a teacher, and he would have been such a great teacher. I honestly would have totally – I mean, yeah. I guess it's, like, a small tangent, Except but he, I would have totally preferred him as Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Maybe he would over, actually do his paperwork. Being an R. Okay. I was about to say he would be the worst teacher. He would never do his paper. He would never, he would never grade papers. <laughs> he would never he'd be like signing on to view your grades and it'd be like, oh, I haven't done that yet. Sorry, guys. Yeah. You know what? I can it's finals week. I still haven't uploaded anything. I can anything. totally relate on that, but also I believe in him. But even then, like, there's so much so, more to teaching than just, you know, putting in grades. No. He could have been yeah, for the kids. I understand, but you have to do paperwork. I mean, absolutely. That much I remember. But, uh, if you're already not going to do paperwork, <laughs> might as well do something that you're good at, right? It's fine. No, okay. Oh, my God. Stop it. <laughs> okay. So, back from our tangent. As we know, the story continues on, and while the Golden Trio are on the hunt for Horcruxes, the Silver Trio remains dun, at Hogwarts. Dun, dun. The Caros become teachers and start to torture students. Uh, uh, I said, see episode on Pondering Professors for all our rants on that one. Shameless plug. Yeah. I think that's our new hashtag, by the way. Shameless hashtag plug. Shameless Plug, season yeah. two. 
Yeah, I like it. So uh, Neville, we find out, is actually one of the braver students who is not only standing up to them, the Caros, but essentially leading the resistance. Oh, yes. So um, he becomes the leader of the DA in Harry's stead, oh, which is so interesting good. because before Lady V like chooses Harry, Neville's pretty much interchangeable with yes. Harry. And now here he yes. is, literally taking Harry's spot hey, and becoming the here leader. I am. Mm-hmm. So here I just thought that I'm was very like ironic there. I'm here for this. I thought it was very a very cool kind of little symbolic little thing of a bobber. Um but uh before Neville became kind of like the sole leader of the DA, Ginny and Luna also shared in that role. Uh but Ginny stays home after like Easter break or whatever. Like she just doesn't come back to school and Luna gets kidnapped. So <laughs> she definitely couldn't come back. So it was kind of just left up to him to become like the sole leader. Ginny wasn't thing, there yeah. after Easter break? I didn't know that. <clears throat> I totally forgot that, but yeah, I remember because then she shows up in the room of requirement later on in the series, and Molly's like, "You gotta stay here." Oh, but yeah, wow. Yep, yep, okay. yep. I yeah. apparently don't read. Um. So yeah, so I also have another quote because I just I was living for this little segment here, uh, but Neville, I yeah, I didn't write who this quote was from, but I'm pretty sure that it's Neville. This, <laughs> I mean, this is his episode, but <laughs> the thing is. It helps when people stand up to them. It gives everyone hope. I used to notice that when you did it, Harry. And I said, look at our little baby all grown up, cries. And I was very sad because Neville's a little bean who must be protected at all costs. I just, I love him. I love him. <laughs> I you were going to cry for real because you're weak. Oh my God. Having emotion does not make me weak. <laughs> That's a weakness. So he also uses the room of requirement like a straight up boss. And he keeps everyone safe in there. And he knows the rules like the back of his hand. And he just gets it. <laughs> yeah, that's quite. But yeah, um, I think it's really important that he occupies that room. Because that's essentially where everybody is going to come in to Hogwarts before the Battle of Hogwarts. So if we didn't have that, that would have been like a super different storyline there for a little bit. Yeah, but also, like, I mean, you know what? Just a rumor of requirement is just a hot mess in general. So let's just, like, I was about to, like, get into, like, the hot mess of, like, the rumor of requirement and people being able to get into Hogwarts and, like, it's logistics. And I was just, like, uh-huh. I'm going to, like, yeah. stop myself right there before we go on <laughs> a super long stop tangent. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> what what was oh, that? Oh, Marianne was doing the dance move. That was the Spice Girls. Yeah, what the heck? You don't know the Spice Girls? Girl Power from the 90s. Girl Power. Spice. Hello. Okay, I do know the Spice Girls, but I am not familiar. English. Thank you very much. I need somebody with a human touch. Hey. Sorry that I sang. I know I'm bad at it. Oh, Okay, well, as soon as we wrap up this episode and you guys are picking up all of the recording equipment, Marianne can play it. Okay. Yes. Because I'm sitting here like, the listeners, that's the thing that I used to do. I used to play like songs that I was obsessed with while we were either setting up or breaking down, but I can't do that for Elizabeth. I know. Because so I'm not there. Oh, God, I'm going to cry. All right, so moving on to the next highlight Neville and the Horcrux. Oh, my goodness. So. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. I literally wrote my smooth transitions into this episode because I was feeling pretty cool. Oh my god! So I, I was can. supposed to. You were, <laughs> you were definitely kidding yourself. Hold on, I, I'll, I'll say this. She's like, no, because I didn't do it. I didn't oh, do it right. Oh, you did. You just did it right. No, there was supposed to be a portion of like me talking about the Horcrux and like how he's going to destroy it before I introduce the highlight. Wow. And then I was going to say, speaking of Horcruxes and smooth transitions, oh my God. but I never gave it to myself. I, I didn't set myself up for success here. Oh, that's so sad. And then I literally, the next note, I'm such an ASS. The next note is literally LOL. I make myself laugh, honestly. Oh my God. I'm the you worst. were definitely feeling yourself, Jenny, when you wrote these notes. Listen, I just got like in such a mood and I wanted to talk about Neville and I did, girl. I did. Yeah. I did this at work, by the way. I got in early to work. I stopped by a Starbucks. I got a venti refresher. I dropped yeah. mad dough that day. 
And I literally did this in the barn at work oh on not work time. I got there early. Don't worry. I'm responsible. <laughs> so anyways, Neville is responsible for destroying the last Horcrux, Nagini. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You know, but, do you guys feel differently about Nagini's death now that we know who she is? No. No, because I feel like there's going to be some plot twist that's going to ruin Yeah, I everything. feel like we don't have, like, all the information yet. And she seems like a nice enough person, but she's definitely not a nice snake. So I can't really feel bad for her. <laughs> well, I mean, like, if... Like, is the person even in there anymore? I don't think so. Well, I mean, like, if your human body was literally permanently taken away from you, wouldn't you be kind of a dick? I think... Okay, first of all, that's not family friendly. <laughs> Second of true. all, yeah, but, like, I don't think that she's in there. Like, is she a sentient being? Like, is she like, oh, God, Lady V's controlling me. I think we... I'm just a circus orphan. I think we don't. And before we decide anything now, we really need to keep an open mind on the character because I really feel like JK is going to throw something at us when it comes to... God, Marianne is, like, the most fair person. I am. I really try to. Thank you. You really are. We're so judgy, but you're right. We should be more like (laughs) So, although... He destroys the Horcrux. It's because, like, he knows about this because of a scene that bothers me to my very core. And we're going to cover it. Oh. So I wrote a really long-winded explanation here. I said, (laughs) I will preface this rant by saying that I understand fully why the scene ended up the way it did. And without it, our story would have been very different. I understand the necessity of the scene, but I'm still peeved by it. And then I wrote, haha, peeves, because I was clearly in a mood. I can't. You're laughing at yourself. You're literally picking up dead bodies outside. Battle of Hogwarts is taking a break. Lady V does believe in his work breaks. Okay. You're picking up your dead friends. And Harry, who Lady V is looking for. Just happens to walk by. And Neville's like, hey, Harry, what's up? How you doing? What's going on with your mind right now? Where yeah, You know, just checking up. And Harry is suspiciously walking towards the forest. He's like, you know, just go for like a nighttime stroll. I'm a little break. I'm a little, little hour lunch break. And then Neville's like, yeah, for sure, dude. Like, go right ahead. What the F? You didn't think like, oh, look, this boy is clearly headed towards danger. Maybe we should stop him. Maybe we should ask him some questions. But even then, okay, whatever, let's give it to him. But then he's like, no, well, I'm going to need you to do like this one thing. Like, you know, like just in case I totally die, like on my nighttime stroll in a freak magic accident. Did you like, what are you thinking, sir? So don't judge. He was very timid. And it bothers me. No, I actually think. Oh my god! That this protect- wa- I think this was an intentional choice of Neville to allow Harry to go into the forest and turn the other way. Like I, I'm done. Like with I you. definitely think that it was kind of like him acknowledging that, like he knew something was he, up. He knew that Harry needed to do what he was going to do, and he had enough trust in oh Harry as a leader god, and as a no. person that. I'm sure he was like, okay, like if you're, if you say you're going into the forest and you don't want to tell me the truth, then like, you know what, you do what you need to do. But like, I trust you. Like, I mean, and and he totally did. He he trusted Harry a thousand percent. So he wasn't going to question his decision. If you're ever walking towards a murderer in the middle of the forest, just know that if you're with me, I'm not just going to let you walk away. Just factor that into your plans. Well, I I feel like. I I don't know. I kind of like Liz's point because it it like fits. I'm done with you both. It fit <laughs> it fits what happens later on. You know when Neville you know stands up in a crowd there of people no and he's like, listen, like we need to do what's right for Harry. Harry's dead, and you know what would Harry do? Because you let him walk into the forest, which is great. I said I prefaced the rant like I knew that it needed to happen. I understand that the storyline needed to go that way. I get it. But I'm just saying, like, legitimately, 
Put yourself right in a real life situation right now. The three of us are out. We've had a traumatizing night and there's a murderer after me. And I say, Elizabeth, you know what? I'm tired of running away from this guy. Let me just let him go kill me. It'll be totally chill. Do you really think that Elizabeth is going to be like, yeah, Jenny, walk into the forest. Go die. No. I would not because... Elizabeth doesn't even let us go to the bathroom by ourselves at the club. Like, she's not letting us walk around in the forest. Okay, that's because you two I are very you... irresponsible people. You in a... Okay, whoa, we're whoa, not very irresponsible whoa, people. Number whoa. one, number two, on my birthday, me and Marianne went to the bathroom yeah. together. Exclusively. We were bathroom buddies. Yeah. And we were safe the whole time. Yeah. I resent that statement. <laughs> I, I'm done. Jenny, I'm done. I would respect your decision if you wanted to go and die in the middle of a forest with a serial killer. Well, you know what? I wouldn't respect your decision. And I don't care that it's your body or your life. You're not dying on my watch. That's just the kind of friend I am. Welcome to 2020. Do you think also that maybe he didn't go against his... I don't know. Like I, I don't literally, Elizabeth. Like whatever you say, I'm just gonna come back at you with. He let him walk into the woods towards a known murderer. You know, I, this is gonna be one of those things where you're like, I feel like this, and I'm gonna be like, okay, we can disagree. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe Neville let him in and was like, hey, by the way, BT Dubs, I actually have a, a resurrection stone. <laughs> BT Dubs. BT Dubs. He used the exact same quote on me. Don't quote me on that. Hashtag legend. He was like, Harry, I can't watch it right now. I'm bathroom buddies with Oliver Wood. He's been helping me move these bodies all night. I don't have time to watch you. So sorry. Go to the bathroom by yourself, sir. Anyways. Yeah. I'm done with that conversation. It bothers me. It yeah. will never stop bothering me. Get- yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. But okay, I'm right. So okay, that's well. That's obviously how your mind works. You're programmed to think that you're right. It's like the human condition. (laughs) But anyways, follow my philosophy podcast for more on that. Neville and Lady V. If you're just listening to us, by the way, Lady V is Voldemort. I don't know if you're confused, but that's who that is. (laughs) But hashtag shameless. That would be really confusing. Riddle me How Voldemort. awkward would that be? Like these people just like, you know, like searched up like a Harry Potter podcast and we came up and they're like, who is Lady V? Like, what is this? <laughs> the whole anyways. character, Lady V. It's, are they a, <laughs> they're like, oh my God, I read the bugs. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Neville and Lady V. <laughs> uh, I guess this is like kind of like the culmination of his transformation into a hero is like this little scene that he gives us. Uh, but essentially, I'm going to set the scene for you once again. Um, everyone thinks that Harry is dead. I mean, he's literally limp-bodied, being carried by Hagrid. Hagrid is sobbing. And they're ready to, like, everybody's just ready to give up and be like, oh, I'm so sad. But Neville is really the one who, like, keeps hope alive. And he's, again, leading the resistance. Um, but Lady V is doing what he does best. And he's being dramatic AF. And he's making a big show of things because he's Lady V. But He's asking people to kind of like step forward and join his army. If not, they face death. Death. Uh, But Neville is literally not having a single ounce of his BS. So he comes forth. Like he moves a couple of steps. And I guess what's his face? Lady V just kind of takes that as like a sign of like I'm coming over. And he says to him, you show spirit and bravery and you come of noble stock. You will make a very valuable Death Eater. We need your kind, Neville Longbottom. And he literally replies, I'll join you when hell freezes over. And then he yells, like, Dumbledore's army! Yeah. And then I just, I got, like, very emotional. So and I was proud. like, can we just... Look at our boy. So much growth. I know. He's not even a bean anymore. He's like... He's like frijoles. Yeah, like, the fact that this is a kid... Baked bean. <laughs> <laughs> The fact that this was a child who was severely bullied by several people in his class, by several people in his school, by several adults in his school, and the fact that he came out like this strong at the end of it, enough to literally face the man who could literally kill them all. Who had tortured his parents. 
Yes. Or, well, gave the order to torture his parents. Yeah. Let's not get yeah. into that. We're going to go, whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. But feel. still. <laughs> but still, like, to th- he's facing Voldemort. Like, most people couldn't even say his name still at this moment. And he is here. That's true. Facing this man who looks like death himself. Like, we're forgetting how. That's right. Like, absurdly gross. scary. Voldemort looks like he doesn't look like a person. He looks otherworldly at this moment. And he just, yeah, he completely stands up for him. And this is why, like, I love that this is the moment that he then is able to pull out the sword of Godric's grip of Godric Gryffindor, because it is yeah. in this moment that he embodies everything. Oh, my Gryffindor God. Could be. Like, he, you're blowing my mind. Is, That's so true. You know, the culmination yeah. of like Neville's story arc is the culmination yeah. of Neville's growth is this moment right here. Like it was everything leading up to this. And this is why it was so fitting to the point that like I actually cried when he was the one to kill Nagini because I was like, this is so beautiful. Oh God, like out of all of the story arcs that Joe yeah. wrote, this is one of the ones that like it was perfect because for all of us, I'm sure all of us were bullied at some point, And I'm sure many of you guys who listened to us were bullied at some point to come out at the end of that and to be able to face your attackers like head on. That's absurd. Like it's I wouldn't be able to for do that. Anyone. It's, it's super inspirational. And this is why yeah. I'll forever be on a Neville Longbottom soapbox. Boom. Thank you. As the kids would say, it's lit. <laughs> so, I just think, I mean, you touch upon like one of the points that I was making, but I think it just resonates so deeply because it really does have real world applications. But it's also really nice to see the underdog come up and tell one of the most powerful wizards in the world to basically go kick rocks. Um, But otherwise in the scene, I think it's really important because this gives Harry the time that he needs to figure out what he's going to do now that everyone thinks he's Mm -hmm. dead, but he's not surprised. So I just feel like there was just so many things going on with Neville at that point in time, but it's like the more that I write things about Neville and how things were working out in the storyline, the more that I'm convincing myself that he is like completely instrumental in Harry's success and completely oh, yeah. instrumental yeah. to the storyline and the success of the storyline. Oh, it yeah. might not but be fo- this heavily, is like, yeah, it's not heavily focused on, but he's definitely there. Yeah. Like, you cannot have uh, Harry Potter without Neville Longbottom. Yeah. So then I really wanted to talk about too about him actually pulling the sword of Godric Gryffindor because it's awesome. (laughs) But for at least three reasons. One, Lady V literally made Neville put on the sorting hat in the book, and that's where the sword appears. Oh my God, I know. So, yeah. It's just like another example of like him being an idiot and causing his own demise, which is my favorite kind of example. You know, actually, like thinking about thinking about it and like comparing like the movie to the book in this moment i kind of Mm -hmm. prefer the movie in this moment a little bit because just because like neville faces a little bit more ridicule in the book that made me like super upset and like super unhappy that he was like once again being made fun of and like the butt of like voldemort's jokes i just I kind of like how the movie did it a little bit better just because it saved my heart from that pain. It's also just nice to see Matt. I mean, I guess, but I like the book because like, because he was ridiculed. I know. And like, this is happening again. And then he stands up to it. Like he puts a stop to it. Yeah. Depends on what you're looking for. So my second point is, I mean, like we discussed, like this is literally like him pulling out the sword, like proving that he is a worthy and true Gryffindor. Um, and then third, it's just like really good storytelling. And we have to acknowledge that because like reading this for the first time when you're flipping through those pages, you're like, holy crap, that was a plot twist. So it was just super cool. So I just wanted to cover really quickly some stuff about Frank and Alice, uh, which are his parents. And, you know, I obviously you would be super duper upset about your parents being tortured and living the way that they were at St. Mungo's. And that must have been hard for him growing up. But there was just a quick quote that I wanted to read. Um, And basically it says, Neville didn't seek sympathy or wallow in despair. Instead, he took his pain and channeled it into his training, spurred by news of the death he hoped to avenge his parents and prevent more innocents from suffering their dreadful fate. The Sorting Hat was right. Deep down, Neville Longbottom had the heart of a lion. 
And then after that quote oh, finished, yeah! it, just picture me like literally like tears streaming down my face, like gallons of water pouring out because wow. I'm crying. But yeah, I just yeah. I just think that what this happened is... to his parents definitely molded him. And it had a lot to do with how he ended up, I think. Yeah. Thank you, Frank and Alice, even though you didn't like bring this tragedy onto you, but still. I think this is just like a perfect way to end our discussion on Neville. I guess, man, wow. the bestest character ever. After yeah, some other characters that I love dearly. One of the most <laughs> inspiring, you know, comebacks, if yes, that's like the right word for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the most inspiring and strongest stories in the books by far. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely appreciate him. Yeah. So I think that's all for today, kids. Yeah. That's all. Uh-uh. Well, if you want to hear more of us, you can always follow us on the social media. Follow us on Whoa. Instagram at the three broom chicks. You can also follow us at the Twitter at the number three broom chicks. And go like our Facebook page, the three broom chicks. And make sure to catch us next time. It's going to continue our silver trio, trio series. <laughs> I almost forgot the word for trio. And we're going to be talking about our lovely Luna Lovegood. Yes, I love her so much. A Ravenclaw, finally. Finally. You're just as sane as I All am. All right. <laughs> and as always, remember that we are the Three Broom Chicks. And we've just been long-bottomed. Oh my god, that sounds so dirty. Yeah.